The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 till 11. Mitchell's front page, the Monday Sports Panel. In the studio we have Peter. Good morning, how are you? Very well, thank you, Mitchell. Nice to be with you again. Yeah, really good to see you. And on the line we've got Bucket. How are you? Oh, going very, very well indeed. Did you read the, uh, the, uh, who was it, the, uh, the top, top 50 players in the competition this morning in the, in the Sun? Oh, no, I didn't. We should probably pull that up. Um, so that was in the Herald Sun, was it? Because there's no danger field in it. Really? Um, like in the pre-season one, he really come in at, at number two. So, that, well, gee, he's, gee, he's dropped off the earth, has he? <laughs> to go from two to at least 51st is pretty <laughs> pretty steep. Um, who made it to number one? Well, basically, it's a whole, new, a whole lot of new players are starting to come through. And basically, there were seven Melbourne players got into the system. And, gee, they're all pretty good, aren't they? Petrarca, number one, was he? Oh, I'm trying to find the, the number one there. Basically, it's going to be interesting. I'm flicking through it now as we speak. I'll see if I can track it down. Right. Um, I suppose you'd have to give number one in a way, to whoever won the Brownlow. Otherwise, what's the point of the Brownlow, wouldn't you? Yes, well, Gordon, well, he, he proved right throughout the season. Like, he changed f- football in many, many, many ways. And, and basically, basically, you know, uh, 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 and, and the way he played, you know, it allowed him to, to use a, a younger guy, a fair bit of freedom uh, on, on the way he played in the ruck. And he was also developed into a very good player too, didn't he? Mm. He did, Banksy Dawn, yeah, and of course, as we know, it's a midfielder's um, medal, isn't it, the Brownlow? So, uh, yeah. but I agree, yeah, Petrarca uh, and Maxi Gorn to the um, was just exciting to watch them both uh, both go around this uh, this year. So, yeah, there's always it brings plenty of controversy and plenty of opinions, doesn't it? The uh, the top fifty. So I'll just go through the top fifty, um, yeah. or not the top fifty. I'll just read out the top ten. I reckon. Yeah, for, for many years, I'd go along and I'd just yeah you know, go along to a game just to see this particular bloke play and things like that. Yeah, you know, used to yeah that used to pull uh, crowds in like in mm. So the top ten at number ten. Took Miller from uh, Gold Coast, number nine, Tom Stewart, Geelong, number eight, Jack Steele, St Kilda, number seven, Sam Welsh from Carlton, number six, Ollie Wines, Port Adelaide, and the Brownlow medalist, number five, Max Scorn, Melbourne, number four, Toby Green, GWS, number three, Clayton Oliver, Melbourne, number two, Marcus Bontempelli, and I think we all know who number one is, Christian Petrarca, Melbourne. So these are all the names that really were at the top of the Brownlow leaderboard, um, this year. Exactly right, yeah. Um, so, you know, I mean, I, it's really hard. I find it difficult to sort of compare, particularly across different teams and different playing positions. I mean, mm. how do you know how different players would go if they were put in a different position or even comparing them to people in another team? Because sometimes the team that you play around can make you look better as a player, can't it? Oh, yes. True. If you've got a good teammate, doesn't matter at what level, he can make or break you know, like a like player playing on the forward line or, or the back line, those sort of things, can't he? You, you can never underestimate your teammates. No, and I think I think we, a lot of controversy is when they, they announce the All-Australian side 
and uh, you'll often find, as we know, Bucket and Mitchell, that uh, a player is selected in that team, but uh, not necessarily in the position that he normally would uh, would play for his club. So, but it uh, it creates something, a little as we say, a little bit of conversation and uh, and some heated debates at times. Yes, and basically, as you know, like like even even in country football, yeah, yeah, a good player can be moved from like from both the forward line or the back line and things like that. Yeah, and they've got that, that ability to, to be able to play anywhere in the mm. modern game. Yep, true. Yeah, um, so lots of things to think about there. I noticed that one of the things they use in this top 50 is the super coach average score that the player gets, but I mean, mm-hmm. um, that bounces around a fair bit, so uh, they're not really using that as a definitive rank. But just in terms of which teams have the best players, uh, I find this quite interesting, 2021 by the numbers. Um, so the teams that had the most number of players in that top 50 were Melbourne and Brisbane with seven, mm-hmm. then five from the Western Bulldogs, four for Port Adelaide, GWS in Sydney, three for Essendon, Geelong, Carlton and Adelaide, two for Frio, one for West Coast, Gold Coast, St Kilda, Richmond and Hawthorne, and none from North Melbourne or Collingwood. Yeah, Ooh. it's pretty interesting, eh, mm. with Geelong, because they're big numbers, in, uh, big numbers in big numbers in these sort of uh, uh, co- co- or competitions, if you like to call it a co- competition, but you're starting to see the big uh, drop-off now, in, in, like in good players in Geelong. Mm. Yeah, true. Um, just in terms of the uh, zero ones, North Melbourne and Collingwood, it's a good segue actually because today we are talking about the Collingwood Football Club and how they're tracking, and it's been a real year of turmoil. So I don't know they haven't they haven't managed to register any players there in the top fifty, um, and they have lost a couple of stars along the way as well. But uh, it has been a very bouncy sort of year because you've had a change in coach, the board whole situation, and uh, I even watched last night on the TV they're talking about. You know, will Mark Corder continue on as president or as Jeff Brown? And what's Eddie doing? Is he in the background? Who knows? I think there's already been a change in the president. At Collingwood, I think it happened over the weekend or early in the weekend, didn't it? Yeah. I think Brown has now stepped up into that spot. Yeah, well, I think Mark Corder was, said he would, he would certainly... Um Unless he served out his term to the you know, or to the end of the year, and I think their annual meetings in December. But uh, he he did mention Corder um, that he would not be um, he would not be standing for any position whatsoever on the board uh, come the annual meeting in uh, in December. So, but I think he's still there now and is still serving the term that he was elected for, which makes sense to me. If you're elected to serve a term, term, you see out that term, yeah. uh, unless the people that are the challengers can all get together and launch some sort of coup, which uh, depends on your club's constitution, but I think in Collingwood, if you get enough signatures, you can mount a challenge to the incumbent, can't you? Yeah, But it's just, uh, it's been a real time of turmoil. I mean, you need a bit of continuity, you would think, to get everything right and to try and steer towards winning a premiership. So going through so many presidents Mm. for a start, let alone board members, has got to be a problem. Yeah, and I I think they will, I think this will be, eventually will be a smooth, hopefully, transition for uh, uh, for everyone at that Collingwood. But um, as we said, reviewing it, this uh, the Collingwood Football Club and you look at what did go wrong this year and there was plenty went wrong all right wasn't there the trade period that was a trade period from hell where they you know, of course uh Trelaw, stevenson gone and and really didn't get value for uh for the trade but that was due to salary cap uh, i think ned guy the list manager went 
history of the Collingwood Football Club, there's always been problems there. It has. They started way back in 1897. The Premier's on 15 occasions, and gee whiz. And this is a really outstanding figure, this is. They were runners up on 27 occasions. Mm. Just imagine if they had a, you know, won a half, half, half of those games, they would have been so far in front, and, you know, it wouldn't have been funny, would it? No, no, we wouldn't have to put up with the Carlton supporters saying to me, they've won. But you're right, Baker, 22 uh, losses, and, and some of those were heartbreaking, weren't they? And uh, I always feel, even though, you know, like, Collingwood, neither here nor there with Collingwood, but I always felt sorry for Bobby Rose. I thought he, he deserved the premiership, and uh, the one that they got beaten when 44 points up against Carlton, that was, uh, that was unbelievable, wasn't it? Yeah, and it's pretty amazing too when you look at the uh, some of the better performed clubs against uh, players that, like like uh, uh, in, in the recent times, last twenty years or so, has been Carlton, Port Adelaide, and the Eagles. Yeah, so so basically there's, there's a bit of a stretch there too, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, look, I I thought this. Um a few little things. I mean, they finished seventeenth this year with six wins. Um, but one thing they did do, Collingwood, is that that they uh, they had nine new debutants come into the uh, into the team throughout the year. And yeah. uh, Bo McCreary, uh, Caleb Poulter, Oliver Henry, and Trent Bianco. Now they played more, ten or more games. Uh, those four people, and uh, I thought that was a you know it was something that had to be done at Collingwood, and it will be interesting. We've got a totally different. You know, a, a, if you call him a second-tier coach in Craig McRae, and when you look at the previous three coaches at Collingwood, you've had Nathan Buckley, Mick Mulhouse, or four Tony Shaw and Lee Matthews, like all, all very, very good players. Craig McRae, he played in the three premierships at uh, Brisbane in 2001, two and three. So he'll come into this club and he'll have a lot of different ideas. And I, I think one thing that we would probably agree on is that they have to have a different style of play because it, it was just, I just thought it was just so slow. Um, there was, just didn't seem to be um, really no ball movement um, and just and stagnant at times and, and no real connection between the uh, the midfield and the forwards. And you had you could see their forwards having to go up the ground quite often to try and get, get possession. And it just, it didn't work. They did beat Melbourne uh, during the year in one of their six wins. Yeah, but uh, they removed Buckley from yeah. the catching position. They br- uh, brought yeah. in uh, Rob- Robert Harvey. Like, like they, there was some early signs there that he might change the game, but they went back to their old... They did. They just can't get away from their old ways because, yeah, I, I, I think they believe that their old ways was, was the best ways because of, of the times that they, they were made the finals and that type of stuff. Yeah, and look, I... Yeah, I agree with you. And I, I think it will be different. There was a couple of things that were interesting, uh, to be quite honest. They, um, I, they only had one game. I think the last game was the only loss over 30 points. Yeah. And they had some big last quarter fightbacks, Collingwood. So, you know, they weren't blown out of the water apart from that, that last game against uh, Brisbane. So, but I think that was maybe more their game, game style, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was. So, look, I... I don't think they're going to make enough uh, headway to play finals next uh, next season. But gee, I give them a, a chance of um, they could be a side that uh, early in the season could uh, could cause a few few headaches. So yeah, it'd be, it'd be very interesting. And one thing that they did have, they ranked first in the for this year in the league for um, average disposals, three hundred and fifteen a match. Finished first in that mm. in that area, but it was what they did with them, and uh, it was more of trying to control the ball when they did come out of the midfield. It was pretty rough into the forward line.
I think mainly the uh, the whole side, the whole uh, Collingwood outfit has got to start to settle down a little bit because they got to, they do have some quality players on their side, you know. And if they can get those quality players up and running, and if they can pick off uh, three or four players out of that uh, nine who were tried last year in their, in their first year, mm. they should develop into a pretty handy side, surely. All right, yeah, and I, I think that the the board will need to um, give Craig McRae all the, all the time that is required, and it'll be the three years I would think that. He will need to to see them back up in possibly playing finals. Yeah, it's pretty interesting, you know, with the new new co- new coaches coming in. Also, also assistant coaches have been moved on. The folks coming in, we don't know whether they're going to be any any better or not because they have their own ideas. They're trying to make a name in like and a career in, in football. So there's always a, a part of a guessing game, isn't it? Yeah, I I, I think a, a big inclusion is Justin Lepage coming across, isn't he? He's, he's come across. You've yeah, been uh, uh, speaking on, on the radio, like uh, on SEN. Yep. Uh, yeah. Mm. Been interviewed on there about what his thoughts are about football. Oh, look, yeah. Um, I haven't heard him in the last three or four weeks. Actually, I haven't heard him since he was announced as a uh, an assistant to Craig McRae. But they were, of course, uh, teammates at um, at Brisbane. So uh, Craig McRae knows, uh, knows him very well. So, um, and I just think Justin Lepage... Um, would be uh, would be a very very good choice to uh, to come in and uh, assist. Expert commentator, yeah, like on, on speaks the, well. The games or was you know, and gee, he, he picked the strengths and weaknesses of players. Yeah, uh, 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 yeah, didn't wait for the weekend to go over them or anything like that. Just went bang, so and so and so and so and so. You know, all need to improve or so things like that. Yeah, yeah. No, look, look. It's, it certainly won't be all doom and gloom. I could probably see them finishing anywhere between about that, maybe twelfth to to uh, 15th but uh, as far as how many wins off, off playing finals but again we never know there's always a side that comes out of nowhere and uh, surprises us on a on a yearly basis so yeah but uh, uh, love them or loathe them Collingwood I, I think there's uh, there's some good signs ahead How much patience do you think boards have for coaches like Craig McCram and he's clearly had the, the track record on the field he's got a lot of experience not in the major position but coaching and seeing how other sides operate so if things don't go so well in the coming year do you think they'll be patient and then maybe even the year after do you think they'll buy this idea that it could take three years uh, or even longer before they start to make the edge oh i think they can go a little bit too long without there they've got to show something very very early in, in, in their career and they've got to get the whole team behind him and the, the team has got to believe in him and if they start doing that yeah, I, I, I think that makes will make a big difference. Yeah, I, I'd be looking at halfway through the second his second year in twenty twenty three. I think then if if you can see the improvement, um, and of course it's going to be a little bit hard because you know with the draft and, and the points that they've got to pick up and all that, and, and Collingwood are still in a little bit of trouble with their salary cap. So you know you, you can't bring a, a new coach in expecting to work wonders if you cannot give him the material that that he needs or part of the material that he needs to be successful so yeah and I mean they obviously would be wanting to get Nick Dacos in that uh, as their first draft pick but uh, they still there's, there's still no certainty for that so um, yeah look as I say he, he's going to be rebuilding and um, I'm sure he'll give these some more young players a, a, a chance to next year uh, alongside the nine that already had a go this year.
Yeah, I think when you look at the North Melbourne Football Club, like uh, you know, the, the way they've gone about it this year, they haven't got the huge numbers in talent or anything like that. But there was uh, along the lines, yeah, there were some players who showed they're going to have a very, very long career at playing uh, uh, mm. football. I think. Yep, true. So, uh, do we have a lighter position that we think Collingwood might be appearing in next year when uh, the season reaches its close? Well, I, I, I got to, you know, I remember this year they were right, right down the right down the wire about playing in, playing in the finals, and I'm going to say that again. You know, they'll be they'll be right in it because we know how the Collingwood crowd can you know boost that side along and things like that. You know, and then if they can pick up you know, like a, a, a big key forward, you know, and then perhaps if they can change their ruck a little bit and get that more more a, a better ruckman in, in there or to help help. Grow and that, well, I think that'll make a big difference to the Collingwood side. Mm, yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree. Look, if there is going to be one that comes out of nowhere to play finals, it could be Collingwood, but I've still got them around about that, maybe 10th to 12th. Right, uh, moving right along and just talking about the patience or the engagement of boards around coaches, Geelong has extended the contract of Chris Scott um, by another two years and of course I think people would look at his win-loss record and say he's probably the best, if not one of the best in the AFL. I think the challenge is when finals roll around. Geelong's been a very good home and away side over the last 10 years but uh, the finals win-loss ratio has been something that Mm. perhaps leaves a bit to be desired, a bit like Collingwood, you know, there's been a lot of lost finals and you think maybe if they just won that one final things could be a little bit different but it's really hard to say how much of the finals performance of the club is attributable to Chris Scott how much of it's the players how much of it's the leadership uh, because I suppose we really don't know what goes on behind the closed doors I think, uh, like, you know, when, when he first came to the club and then the group of players he, he took over, that, that group of players at the time, even I could have coached them, they were that, that good. They were a, a good group of players. But, and, and really, there was no way you could catch that side because they knew what to do all the time. Yeah, look, it's uh, it's interesting with the uh, with the uh, extension of his contract. So, uh, Scotty's records uh, home and away, his percentage uh, is seventy two point oh three, but in finals, his win um, percentage is forty percent. So, I guess that's uh, there is a little bit of a gap there. But um, anyway, that's what the um, they have seen fit to do, and uh, um, that ends some speculation about a couple of other coaches that may be on the move at the end of next season. So, yeah, we'll we'll wait wait and see. I, I mean, yeah, we, he's got three years now, so he can start doing a little bit of a rebuild. But yeah. um, and he will he will be uh, well, providing he sees out his three years. He, uh, as I said at the moment, has uh, has coached two hundred and sixty one games. Um, Bomber Thompson coached two hundred and sixty, but of course the uh, um, the main uh, coach throughout the, at Geelong. The uh, career, of course, was uh, uh, Reg Hickey with 304 games. I see. I was wondering that. So he's mm. still got a fair way to go. Yeah. So if he sees out his three years, he, he would uh, overtake um, Reg Hickey. So, uh, and he's the... Um, Do you happen to know how many years Reg Hickey was in for? Uh, I can probably find that. Uh, Reg Hickey was from 1930. He coached in 1932, came back in 1936 through until 1940. And then, according to this, came back in '49 and coached for another uh, 11 years uh, up till 1959. Oh wow! Well, yeah. that's huge. Yeah. So over 
spanned over a period of 27 years. Oh, well, <laughs> from his that's first, incredible. First going to it's, uh, his last, if, if the information I've got in front of me is it's correct. It's like a, uh, an Australian Prime Minister trying to beat Bob Menzies. Mm. Very difficult. So, uh, <laughs> so 31 coaches uh, Geelong have had, including Chris Scott, and they, uh, of course, Bucket, as you would, may remember, was uh, two of them were interim coaches. Nipper Tresize yeah. coached one game in 1963, I guess that may have been when they had the... Was that when Victoria might have had uh, interstate duties and, and maybe back then... Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I would think um, Bobby Davis may have been coaching uh, that uh, the, the interstate uh, or the VFL side, perhaps, so Nipper Tresize and Les Laver yeah, back in 1940. Back in the early 30s or something like that, only coach for one year and, and won, a, won a premiership with, with uh, Geelong? Uh, yeah, now who... Uh, was that... Um, I, I can't, can't think of his name now. Only coach for one year and then went back to the country somewhere and, there, and that was the end of him playing. That's right, yes, yes. Now, VFL Premiership in 1931. Uh, yeah. Charlie, Charlie Climo? Char- no, that's the yeah. Yeah, Charlie Climo. Yeah, that's right, one year. Premiership and... Amazing, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's a very interesting... Uh, Record that one, isn't it? So, uh, that was it, yeah, 1931. For the Geelong Football Club, because we're, we've lost the three big names off the assistant coaches. What sort of a role is he going to play down there? Uh, who's that, Eddie Betts? Eddie Betts, yeah. Yeah, well, more of development, I think, with the younger players between the VFL side and, and the AFL side. So, yeah, more of a development role. And he's also got another uh, part-time job, too, with the uh, with the AFL, I think, in some for, with the Indigenous uh, players, etc. So, yeah, it's an interesting appointment. It's, it's, I think it's a good appointment, but uh, they've really got to get uh, a couple more into that coaching box uh, sooner than later. Well, we need to take a break. We'll come back and uh, maybe just touch on the Melbourne Cup situation as well because uh, they're apparently going to be allowed to have a, a 10,000 people there at Melbourne Cup Day at Flemington in early November. Just about there for the day, but uh, Peter, we were just talking off air about how the Melbourne Cup might look when you've got 10,000 people there, but it is going to be quite restricted and you're not going to be wandering around a bit like what uh, people would have done at Melbourne Cups in times gone by. No, no, um, there'll be no bird cage, as they call it, so that, uh, that'll all be missing. So a lot of the glamour and et cetera. So I would think it'll be, and depending on percentages of uh, VRC members and, and general public, but it will be, I would imagine, reserved seating. And what I'm led to believe is that, you know, you have your seat, you won't be wandering around. You'll be staying in that one area. It'll be basically table service, um, everything. So uh, it will be interesting, but it'll be nice just to get a crowd back. Better than no crowd. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yep. yep. And it's amazing how much influence racing has over the the calendar and lockdowns, or maybe it's just a coincidence that this uh, Melbourne Cup event happens in November, but gets you thinking. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we better move over to the final word, and Bucket, what is your final word? Oh, I think we need a green, a green light for the local uh, local sports. I, I really do, because you see all the young people, you see young people that go up to the track area, doing their own thing and out of the light, but to, yeah, to see them back in competition would be far better, I think. Yep, yep. No, fair point. And Peter? Uh, GDFL 2 have announced the uh, the points, players' points systems for next year and uh, Anarchy uh, have given one extra to go up to 46. Bell Post are back down to 40 points. They've lost four. Um, Karaya down one. East Geelong down two. Uh, but there is a list on uh, on the KROC website for all the players, uh, the club points for season 2022. Thank you very much. Talk to you next week. That's it from me, but Wes Jay is with you straight after the 11 o'clock news with 45 RPM. 
The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 to 11. Or search for Mitchell's Front Page on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or wherever you get your podcasts.